Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. It is Wednesday afternoon, a few clouds in the sky, not seeing much on the radar right now, but that is giving us a little bit of cover from the otherwise very warm afternoon that we're having. But it is summer, and I just realized something today. I realized that it's introvert season. If you're a teacher, the first couple weeks after school, you don't want to deal with anybody because you've been dealing with kids and parents and administration and all sorts of folks at a much higher rate than a lot of other jobs would put you into contact with. And, and I've, I've realized over the last couple of years that I want to deal with as few people as possible the first couple weeks out of school. And I've officially dubbed this introvert season. Now, I violated introvert season because I did go last night to the Taste of Eat Lafayette at the Cajun Dome, and that was great. Uh, that was a fantastic experience. I took a friend of mine who uh, has lived here all of his life. I'm, an, I'm a transplant to Lafayette, um, and this is my second year going. But I took a friend who has lived here all of his life but has, has not experienced the Taste of Eat Lafayette or anything like that uh, event. So took him, and it, it was basically... If you like food, like like this friend and I do, then it's basically uh, a local Disney World because there's a bar and there's free samples from a lot of great local restaurants. And it was a very, very fun experience. Sat down, watched some of the Louisiana Seafood Cook-Off. Uh, ben Fidelic, who is a chef out of Natchitoches, Louisiana, was one of the competitors. So glad to see Natchitoches represented in that. But overall, just a fun experience. So anytime that you get a chance, you know, next year when it rolls around, do be sure that you get a couple tickets and go to the Taste of Eat Lafayette. A fantastic event. Highly recommend it to anybody here, here locally or anybody that wants to come check out what, uh, if you're listening to the podcast version of this show, uh, anybody who wants to come check out the great, the great food here in uh, South Louisiana, I highly, highly recommend it. 232-1542. I wanted to start out with, you know, just kind of joking around and, and be, you know, up in spirits a little bit because unfortunately things have to turn very negative very quickly here on the show today. Uh, you've heard the news by now. An unhinged lunatic, a California man, of course it's a California man, charged with attempted murder after traveling to uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home with a gun. Nicholas John Roski was publicly identified and charged with attempting or threatening to murder or kidnap a Supreme Court Justice on Wednesday after traveling to Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home armed with a Glock handgun intent on killing the Justice over his expected rulings in ongoing cases related to abortion and the Second Amendment. I've been preaching for weeks that we have a mental health crisis that we continue to ignore in this country. And once again, this proves it. This man, Nicholas John Roski, um, the suspect told law enforcement, this is, uh, this is via National Review Online, the suspect told law enforcement that he was incensed by a leaked draft of uh, uh, opinion suggesting 
the court is poised to overturn the 1973 decision in Roe v. Wade, according to the affidavit, as well as by the Uvalde, Texas school shooting. Roski then said he wanted to, and I'm quoting here, give his life purpose. He wanted to give his life purpose. He was planning to either murder or kidnap Brett Kavanaugh, do whatever he was going to do, and then commit suicide. He believed that Kavanaugh would be personally responsible for overturning Roe versus Wade and would loosen gun restrictions. Rossi noted that he found the justice's address on the internet, a pro-abortion group known as Ruth Sent Us, unpublished, I'm sorry, uh, published the home addresses of the court Supreme Court justices online after the leaked draft opinion was published and organized several protests outside the homes, including outside Kavanaugh's home. So pro-abortion groups leaked the addresses of Supreme Court justices online. Some lunatic, some mentally unhinged person from California got the address, traveled to Washington, and attempted to assassinate a sitting Supreme Court justice over the Roe versus Wade decision. Yes, we have a mental health crisis. And yes, we are seeing the rise of political violence in the country. Take, for example, what I mentioned yesterday. In Buffalo, New York, a pro-life pregnancy center was firebombed by abortion activists. And that, that group of activists, their philosophy is, if abortion isn't safe, then you aren't either. They firebombed it. In Washington, D.C., a pro-life pregnancy center was vandalized with red paint thrown at it. In Wisconsin, another one was firebombed. I think there was one other firebombed pro-life pregnancy center in the last couple of months. Left-wing violence in response to the Roe versus Wade overturning the Dobbs decision that we're expecting in the next couple weeks. Left-wing violence is coming in response to the fact that the far left is not getting its way. And you can say all the things that you want to about right-wing extremism. But right-wing Extremists have not attempted to assassinate sitting Supreme Court justices. They've not attempted to assassinate Republican members of the House unarmed at a baseball field. You can make the argument about the riot on January 6th. That's going to be part of the, the primetime broadcast tomorrow night by the Democrats in the House. But that was a mob. A mob that thankfully did not get what they wanted. But that was one instance. And over the past few years, we've seen several instances 
of left-wing violence. And it all gets pushed to the side by the Democrats and the media. They don't want to focus on that, but they do want to focus on January 6th. An instance that was a riot, was shameful. The people who broke into the Capitol should be prosecuted for trespassing on federal property and for causing uh, damage on federal property. But we have people with guns trying to assassinate conservatives, Republicans, and it's getting pushed off to the side. It's not staying in the news, in, in the news headlines nearly as long. And there's a reason for that. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, more on the left-wing violence and how it actually turned against liberals in California and elsewhere last night. This is Joe Cunningham right here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. If you want to reach out online, you can, because I spend a lot of time on social media, especially Twitter, at Joe P. Cunningham on Twitter if you're there. Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can find the page for this radio show there where I often put up links to the stories that I'll be talking about for the day. You can also find what I'm writing at redstate.com. Just go to the author tab and you can find my name, see all the stuff I've been writing. Kitchenpundit.substack.com is where I also put up my writing, but you can subscribe to get it via email there. And last but not least, you can listen to the show online after the show's off the air. If you missed an episode, you can go back and check out the podcast version, which is available on Apple, Spotify, wherever you might get your podcast. And when you get it, when you subscribe to it, please make sure that you rate and review it as well, because that helps uh, grow our online audience as well. 232-1542 if you want to call in directly and be part of the conversation here on the Joe Cunningham Show. We're looking at at a time where in the next couple of weeks, we, we're, we're very likely going to see Roe versus Wade struck down in some way, thanks to the Dobbs case, thanks to the decision that will be handed down by the Supreme Court justices who have a clear majority on the court. Left-wing violence, for the sake of abortion in particular, is growing. Now, of course, in 2020, we also had a summer of violent protests. Well, so we had peaceful protests during the, the day, the Black Lives Matter folks, the, the people who are, who are Black Lives Matter activists, not the organization Black Lives Matter, which appears now, based on what we're seeing in news stories, to be an entirely grifter organization, given how they raise money and spend very little of it on the cause. Actually, none of it on the cause, I think. But... That's not the only issue that the left is having right now. The, the left is becoming unhinged. They are, uh, we're seeing more and more violence coming from the left. At the same time, progressives who have been elected into district attorney's roles across the country, funded by George Soros money, progressives in those roles are now being recalled. Because they are so soft on crime. Take uh, Chesa uh, Boudin, I think is how he pronounces it. Now, as somebody, again, who is a transplant to South Louisiana, but somebody who's lived down here now for 10 years, I wish to say that I think at least in part the reason he's recalled is because he's not pronouncing his last name correctly. And so for the sake of the local audience, I will now refer to him as Chesa Boudin for the remainder of 
of the time I'll be talking about him. But here's something you don't, and this is this is what is uh, once again just proving that the media is very, very interested in keeping certain aspects of left-wing violence off the front page. Unless you pay very close attention to Red State, where I write, National Review, The Blaze, any right-leaning or news organization, you may not know that Chase, uh, that Chesa Budan's parents are in prison or were in prison. They went to prison because they were part of Weather Underground, the domestic terror organization. Budan was raised by Bill Ayers. That's right. The mentor to Barack Obama from Weather Underground. San Francisco voters got a George Soros-funded Chesa Budan as their district attorney. He was incredibly soft on crime, clearly from, his, from how he was groomed growing up, essentially. He's not a fan of law enforcement, worked to undercut them at every turn, was soft on crime, would not pursue charges on misdemeanor, what he would call quality of life crimes, the type of stuff that... San Francisco is synonymous with right now the public defecation, public drug use, the homelessness, the smash and grabs. He called these quality of life crimes and he wouldn't prosecute them. And it was an open invitation for more crime in the city. And as a result, when the first batch of votes came in for the recall election of Chase Abuna last night, 61%, over 61% of voters in that first batch voted to recall him. In fact, it was so bad that within 30 minutes, the Associated Press called it. They called it uh, the, a successful recall election. Now, the mayor of San Francisco will appoint a temporary replacement until a special election can be held in November. In Philadelphia, the district attorney there is likewise in trouble. They're trying to recall him. In Los Angeles, uh, Gascon, uh, yeah, I forget his first name. George. George, George Gascon um, is also under threat of recall from the voters for the same thing. These were three, and there's more of them across the country. But these are three fairly well-known district attorneys who have been soft on crime. Their elections were funded by George Soros, and that's not a conspiracy. That is actually a thing. George Soros put money into the elections of local district attorneys to try to reform the justice system, and this is what the left got out of it, a soft-on-crime series of district attorneys who, at best, came in at the wrong time when there was a ton of left-wing violence going on, and, and they would ignore the, the property damage, the firebombing, the riots, all this stuff happening during, those, during the protests of 2020, and it's just spiraled from there. The smash, I mean, you can see videos online of organized smash-and-grabs in San Francisco. Uh, Plenty of stores, Target, CVS, Walgreens, uh, all, all those kinds of stores have, have closed up shop and left San Francisco and other cities because of it. In Los Angeles, I know you heard this on uh, Dan Bongino's show in that last hour. In Los Angeles, there's a mayor's race going on. Now, Rick Caruso is a Democrat who won a huge percentage of the vote. Here's what you may not know. Rick Caruso, up until about 15 minutes before that election, 
was a Republican. He is a rich billionaire Republican who is running for this and got some pretty big Hollywood endorsements, including Kim Kardashian, one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. I think Jay-Z is one. But consider that actors like Owen Wilson walk outside to find their Tesla up on cement blocks because somebody stole their tires. And there's not a prosecutor, there's not a mayor, nobody's doing anything about it in Los Angeles. Even Hollywood has had enough and they want to be tougher on crime. And Rick Caruso is running on a tough on crime campaign. A former Republican is about to win the mayor's race in Los Angeles. Very, very well could win this in November. Because the Democrats have been so soft on crime and Democratic left-wing violence is on the rise. So again, what I've been telling you yesterday and for months now, voters aren't going to care about the distant, faraway stuff. They're not going to care about January 6th. They're not going to care about the environment. They're not going to care even as much about the border as much as we as conservatives want to see it happen. They're going to focus on the stuff right in front of them. The economy, crime, stuff like that. And that's what the Democrats are terrified of. Quick bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, what's happening in Louisiana? We got some issues to discuss there here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Now, there's a reason that Gary Chambers is going to be the second place Democrat behind, way behind John Kennedy in the Senate race. And Luke Mixon will be nowhere close. From The Advocate, by uh, noted John Bell Edwards press secretary, Tyler Bridges. Democrats Gary Chambers Jr. and Luke Mixon take different approaches in U.S. Senate campaign ads. In his latest provocative ad, Chambers calls for background checks on gun purchases and is seen shooting a handgun at three life-size Ku Klux Klan cutouts. He adds that owning a gun is necessary for protection against white supremacists. Mixon, meanwhile, shows images of Kennedy talking on TV and says of the Republican senator, I know BS when I see it. The ad shows video of flooded streets while Mixon talks about the need to reduce inflation and health care costs. Mixon doesn't have a platform. If that's his message, he doesn't have a platform. He's going to say John Kennedy is just spewing BS and then show video of flooded streets and then talk about reducing inflation and healthcare costs. That's generic. That is run-of-the-mill, cardboard cutout, white Democrat running in Louisiana in a red state. You don't get more generic Democrat on the ballot than that. Like, if you look at the polling definition of generic Democrat right now, it's a picture of Luke Mixon. And that's why he's not going anywhere. He's not... You, you need, if you're going to go up against John Kennedy, you need to be provocative. You need a new and different way of delivering, of delivering your message. And here's the thing. Here's why I give Chambers a lot more credit than most pundits, especially Republican pundits in Louisiana will. Now, not saying that Chambers has a chance to win, but I think Chambers is building on a larger political future in the state than just running for Senate. Pay attention to this description written by Tyler Bridges. In his latest provocative ad, Chambers calls for background checks on gun purchases and is seen shooting a handgun 
at three life-size Ku Klux Klan cutouts. He adds that owning a gun is necessary for protection against white supremacists. Take the white supremacists have the, 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 the dishonest talking point out of that. The, the whole white supremacy and how white supremacy is on the rise and all that. We know that is a talking point. But pay attention to the visual here. Chambers is holding a gun and is calling for black Louisiana residents to own guns. And all he wants is expanded background checks. In a state like Louisiana, which is very pro-gun, lots of guns owned by Democrats and Republicans alike, he's not going for the typical Democrat, we got to take away the guns. He's calling for background checks. He is also calling for black residents to own guns. He is pushing a fight back mentality. Now, yes, this is coming at the same time that I'm talking about the rise of left-wing violence in the country. But consider the visual here. He's advocating gun ownership in self-defense. And he is advocating for more black voters to arm themselves. Not to go and overthrow the government, not to go and assassinate somebody, but in self-defense. He's not talking about seizing guns. And no matter what you say about Gary Chambers, that is a smart play. Politically, that is a smart play. And it keeps him open for a greater path to going into second place versus Luke Mixon. Now, here's the issue just from the, the raw politics and, and the elections and campaign side of it. It's very difficult to get much of anything in the way of traction over the summer. You don't see a whole lot of ad buys over the summer, particularly this early on in the summer. Because as soon as school is out, everybody's planning their vacations. Most political consultants will do minor buys in the summer, but really prepare for major ad blitzes in the fall. When everybody's back at work, back at school, the routines become more regular, people aren't traveling so much. But they're getting these messages out now. Now, let's be real here. Luke Mixon isn't raising the money to do any major ad buys whatsoever. He's got, I think, maybe two nickels in the coffers right now. But Gary Chambers is getting a lot of money from lobbyists and from, na from national uh, groups that are interested in his platform. He has the money to do ad buys, to do a tour around the state, to build a statewide network. That makes him, for the Democrats and Republicans alike, pretty dangerous. Dangerous enough to threaten the Republicans in Louisiana? I don't think so. But dangerous enough to disrupt politics in Louisiana? I do think so. And I think the potential is there. I've been telling you guys from the get-go to watch Chambers, not for Senate, but for 2023. Because if he's not going to run for governor, you can guarantee he's going to throw all of his weight and money behind whatever black Democrat is. And if that black Democrat isn't progressive enough for Chambers, he's going to push them to be progressive enough. There's a former Vox, uh, Vox News writer who's now at the New York Times, Jane Koston. Um, she is a black journalist, commentator, but she has talked a lot and written a lot 
about conservative issues from a progressive stance, uh, observing conservatives, and has done, yes, left-wing work on it, but has done more analysis and, and, and has a better understanding of the right and its philosophies than most on the left do. And she has also been very vocal about the need for there to be more gun ownership in the black community. She understands that safe black owners, uh, safe gun ownership in the black community is key. And it's one of the things that the Democrats continuously fail on. The Democrats will continuously run on the idea of taking guns away. And the black community understands, black voters understand that if you disarm them, the very stuff that the Democrats say the whites are going to do to blacks, if they ever get back in charge and we go back to the Jim Crow era, will happen because they're now defenseless. Gary Chambers is smart enough to pick up on that and to con continue to push on that. He has been provocative. Yes, Tyler Bridges calls him provocative, but... He's been smart about it. His ads have been smart at targeting issues in a very specific way to appeal to black voters and to rally them at a time when the typical white leadership of the Democratic Party has failed to do any justice to the black community in Louisiana. Consider the Ronald Green hearings. And that whole issue and how John Bell Edwards is going to be walking into a committee hearing in front of the Louisiana House of Representatives with two lawyers and not say a word. How do you think that's going to play out in front of the black voters who turned out in record numbers to support Edwards the second time against Eddie Rispone? They threw their all in for him. And as it turns out, he's not going to say a word about what he knew or when he knew it, where the Ronald Green death is, uh, is concerned. And black voters and black politicians in particular are getting tired of it because John Bill Edwards represents that white trial lawyer progressive that has been running the state Democratic Party for years and they're getting fed up with it because nothing of any true justice or help has come to black voters in Louisiana because of it. Gary Chambers is somebody to watch out for, not because he is a threat to Republicans, but because he's a threat to Democrats and the political status quo in Louisiana, which will have some impact on Republicans. 232-1542, let's take a break. When we come back, the DNC is having to get involved with the Louisiana Democratic Party. What does that mean? We'll tell you that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 if you want to hop in, be part of the program this segment. I do have to go back and say one thing. Um, I mentioned Tyler Bridges, uh, John Bell Edwards, unofficial press secretary uh, throughout his entire time here. He, the, the, the story I mentioned, there's really very little journalistic purpose behind comparing the ad campaigns of Gary Chambers and Luke Mixon uh, because Mixon doesn't stand a chance. And there's only one reason to give him coverage. If you are pulling for John Bell Edwards guy 
And that's what has been very obvious that makes it from the start. Mixon has been Edwards guy. Um, even before he made his official endorsement, I think it was earlier this week or last week, uh, Edwards was favoring him. He, he was uh, very, very vocal against Gary Chambers and the type of ads that he was dropping. Um, you, you can you can do a story analyzing Gary Chambers' campaign strategy, which I've done for you. I, I've broken down why it's interesting, why it's provocative, and why it could actually work at doing what Gary Chambers needs it to do. Whether or not it's what Gary Chambers wants it to do is an entirely different thing, but what it needs, or or what he needs it to do, is actually being pretty successful. But you don't you you write a comparison story between the two when there is no comparison. Uh, you you do that when you're trying to be fair and give somebody who doesn't otherwise have a chance to have a chance. Um, you see that actually. I, I I wasn't talking to you. The the robots. Siri got uh, anyway. Um, you 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 do these types of comparison stories really as fluff and as filler and it's really as fluff for for a group that doesn't deserve it. You see it in sports. A lot. Well, here's the breakdown of tonight's match. No, we know one team is going to get blown out by whatever your point differential for a blowout is. We we know that's going to be the case. But anyway, Luke Mixon doesn't stand a chance. Gary Chambers will come in a distant second place to John Kennedy, but Chambers has a future in Louisiana Democratic politics. Mixon does not. The Democratic National Committee is sending some money to Louisiana, not for any particular campaign, but to help create a new job for the Louisiana Democratic Party. Uh, the DNC is paying for the state party to hire a communications director. The DNC announced the new staffer will, quote, drive messaging and expand outreach for Democrats up and down the ballot in the Bayou State. The communications director will also be responsible for the party's email fundraising apparatus, which will be critical to Louisiana Democrats' efforts to launch a robust and targeted voter registration program. This grant is part of the DNC's Red State Fund, which is, was established last year under the leadership of Chair Jamie Harrison to put Republicans on defense and build tailored programs in traditionally majority Republican states. And yes, I was a professional and did not openly laugh at the idea that the Democrats would be uh, actually able to put Republicans on defense in the state of Louisiana. You and I both know it's not the Democrats putting Republicans on defense. It's other Republicans. Hello, House and Senate leadership and Louisiana legislature. It is other Republicans constantly putting Republicans and conservatives on defense, trying when conservatives are so close to a win and Republican leadership snatches, vic uh, snatches defeat from the jaws of victory. The Democrats aren't going to be a threat. The only reason John Bell Edwards has won is because the Republican Party has done a very, very bad job of picking and controlling its candidates. Twice. I had a conversation with somebody uh, yesterday uh, just on the, the, the state of the, the gubernatorial prospects. And, you know, again, right now, uh, Jeff Landry is the favorite to win. Now, there's talk about John Kennedy jumping in, and if he does, basically the entire field clears out and, and, and they you know, roll out the red carpet for Kennedy. Kennedy is the most popular Republican in the state, and he's going to win that race if he jumps in. But I don't think he does. I think Jeff Landry is the guy who will run and, and win that race. John Schroeder, I like Schroeder. I don't think that he's going to be able to pull off the type of... of uh, voter energy that Landry will. 
And that is, I think, key in winning this next election. Voter excitement, because voters have not been excited the last two gubernatorial campaigns. They were not excited for Vitter. They were tired of hearing the prostitute stuff. And they were tired of Eddie Responi's Colonel Sanders routine. Um, and it just got to the point where they, they turned him off. And of course, Ralph Abraham's entire district turned Responi off and, and either didn't show up or voted for John Bell Edwards. And the, the, the state Republican Party has to do a better job. But we'll see. We'll see how this, the state handles it in the next year when they get ready to run for a governor against whoever John Bell's successor may be or whoever the Democrats nominate. It may not be a successor to John Bell. It could be a Gary Chambers type. But Republicans have a majority in the state, near supermajority in the legislature, hold all but one statewide elected office, hold all but one congressional district, and that's just because of where that district is located. They don't have to worry about a second majority-minority district because the Court of Appeals will either overturn the judge, the Baton Rouge judge's ruling, or it will go up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will say, well, it's too close to the election to do anything right now. Qualifications in July. They don't have enough time to, to learn their new district and, and, and start traveling around there. So we're just going to put this off for right now, keep the old districts, and then come back later and, do, and draw, more map, draw your maps again in the next legislative, se- or, yeah, like next legislative session. You don't have to worry about there being a second Democratic district. I don't, I don't think you have to worry about that based on the lay of the land right now. And everyone in the state kind of knew that. But the Republicans have control of the state, and the Democrats aren't going to be a challenge to that. Now, the DNC getting involved, they think they see, they, they either must see something or they think they see something, or they're just making a show of it and trying to help rebuild the, the Louisiana Democratic Party, which is in shambles. And in so much as there is a Louisiana Democratic Party official apparatus, it's in shambles. And I'm not even sure that there is really. Um, the the leader they they've they've gone through some leaders some that as people I've liked some I, I've not liked uh, but the Louisiana Democratic Party it, it needs more than a communications director it needs fresh blood it needs some new ideas it really needs to be able to reach out and activate and energize Black voters in the state because again I'm sorry to harp on the 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 racial focus of it but sixty percent of registered Democrats in the state are black voters and they're constantly being represented by white trial lawyers. The democratic party in the state of Louisiana needs to make some adjustments in how they're doing things and doing the same old thing is not it. Getting a communications director is not going to be it. If the Democrats want to have a chance, they need to basically tear it all down and start over. Maybe they will do that. I don't know. But in the meantime, we are going to go ahead and take our 23-hour break. I do want to say, by the way, again, thank you to the people who have subscribed to the podcast. I just noticed, looked at the stats a little while ago. We have uh, thousands of listens to the podcast version of the show, so clearly a lot of you are going back and listening to anything that you might have missed. Again, you can go to Apple. You can go to Spotify. Uh, Amazon Music has podcasts. You can listen to the show from there. Uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe to the show. Please subscribe and rate and review because that just kind of opens it up to the algorithm to where more people can see it. 
In the meantime, reach out Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, or email me, Joe at redstate.com. We're going to take this 23 hour break. We'll be back tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL.